So here's the question. In the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Canon USA. They provide industry-leading production and large-format printing solutions supported by exceptional professional service offerings. With the technology offerings of the Canon and OSE brands and a vast portfolio of toner-based and inkjet solutions, Canon USA helps companies of all sizes to find ways to improve sustainability, increase efficiency, and control costs in conjunction with high volume, continuous feed, digital and traditional printing, and workflow solutions. Canon USA is headquartered in Melville, New York, and has sales and service locations across the United States and throughout the world. On today's podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking to Mike Roth, who is an industry pioneer in grand format screen print and grand format digital inkjet with over 40 years experience in the graphic arts industry. He's currently a private consultant and the past CTO for a leading consulting company called NASDAR. And he has also owned and operated both screen and digital pre-press companies. And he is also the technical author of, of ISO 12647-5, a screen printing standard which defines process control for color separations, proofing, as well as production prints. He is also an ID Alliance certified G7 expert, as well as being a certified G7 trainer. There's only a few of them in the world. And Mike recently completed the BrandQ Supply Chain Expert Certification. He is a member and former chairman of the Academy of Screen and Digital Print Technology and is actively involved in ID Alliance's Print Properties Committee, U.S. TAG, and the Committee for Graphic Arts Technical Standards, or CGATS. Hey, Mike, this is Jeff. How are you today? Oh, I'm pretty good. Can't complain. I really appreciate you joining us on the Gamut Podcast. And today, uh, we're going to talk about the power of confidence. And you have been in the business for over 40 years. So to start, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came up through the industry and some of the major changes and impacts that you've witnessed over the past 40 years? Actually, I worked my way up from uh, the print industry before anything was digital. So I was on the ground for the digital revolution. And uh, I owned a couple of uh, screen print related businesses. Uh, the first one was a sign company called Missouri Poster. And we we produced grand format printing, uh, screen print, and also cut vinyl letters. I transitioned from that to the uh, pre-press industry. And I started a business actually printing uh, or producing Grand format film for screen printers. That was uh, that was interesting. I had uh, equipment that could make film in one piece over sixty inches by fourteen feet. Shipped the film all over the world. But what I found was that these printers 
really didn't know how to print and measure tonal values. So what I did is I started going out and teaching them how to use my film. And that actually led to my third business, which was uh, consulting. Actually, I uh, consulted for uh, companies all over the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Great. And today, just to start out, in regard to print production in the screen print industry, how do you feel confidence in print results are today? Is it getting any better? Is it uh, worse than it used to be? Um, give me your experience on confidence with results in regard to quality and color. It's a lot better than it was uh, not very long ago. And actually, it's gaining speed. And I've seen the ver first big change in our business in 2006 when Don Hutchison made a contribution to the print industry uh, in G7 technology, and that's actually the biggest driver of confidence that I see right now. It, uh, at that mm -hmm. time, it was uh, not fully integrated, but now all the RIP manufacturers are on board with analog and digital workflows now that accept the G7 as a valuable tool. It's working tremendously with the quality of the color management tools and software all of those things support G7 now. When I started in that, it was only 12 years ago. And uh, what was amazing was just the transformation that I've seen in the grand format industry. Uh, see, I taught color uh, calibration through targeting the dot gain and density. It's very similar to the ISO methodology of offset litho. Right. Now, we did experience good results in the grand format industry because they were a little bit behind the industry because they were just measuring mostly density and then they would do a, a bump or a cut value similar to offset. But a screen print and even a digital curve is much different than that. It's not an exact match. It's going to get a nice, smooth, good-looking print, but it wasn't possible to be actually vis visibly accurate by controlling the solids in the TVI. And what we were trying to match was chromalins and match prints. So uh, when we were back in the days using dot gain and TVI to dial uh, the press in or to dial color in, whether it's to match a chromalin or a match print or maybe even a print, uh, previously printed piece, Sometimes we would get, you know, the dot gain numbers right, but we would also compromise, you know, a key metric or the key thing in color reproduction, which is gray balance. Well, that all changed in 2006 when Don uh, introduced the G7 methodology. I don't think it was even called that back then. But uh, the way I found out about it is I was actually reading an offset magazine. And I read about uh, Don and the ISO members of the Print Properties Group going out and testing gray balance uh, on offset presses across the country. And the, the difference was they were evaluating the color of the solids, not the density. And, and they were also evaluating the, the three-color CMYK overprints they called the triplets, and that was in LAB also for tonality and balance. And so when, when I read about that, I, I, I knew the problems that we were having in our industry were related to change, dramatic changes, actually, in the substrates and the inks that we were having to use every day. So... When I read that, I thought, oh, that just hit me like a George Foreman punch in the left ear. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew it would work in the screen print world. I didn't have to be condensed. Nobody had to show me 
just the concept was enough for me. So I got on my horse and I went to Chicago and, and to the man rolling G7 class. And I got trained by Don. And, you know, some of the people there were not very encouraging. They said, you know, you can't do this in screen printing. Well, actually, they were wrong. Because that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. After I got trained, I started using the great balance method. And it was exciting because I could see the improvement in common visual appearance on screen and digital presses. So uh, this began to move our industry forward. In a, and I believe the whole industry, when we started getting on board on this, we started believing that we could make acceptable reproductions of that 12647-2 proof. And so that began to, to build what, what I call unwavering confidence. You said 12647-2, and traditionally that specification has been a TVI-based standard. And recently in Tokyo, the TC-130 Working Group reached a consensus to include near-neutral method or G7 to have an equivalent status with TVI. So we're very happy about that, even though it's probably a little late. Now, getting back to the topic of confidence or unwavering confidence in uh, color management or process control, what three big things uh, would you suggest to a screen printer or somebody that's uh, in grand format production uh, to gain that unwavering confidence? What are yes. those top three things? Well, the, the top three things are addressing some of the problems that we still have in G7, but someone that is serious about being a G7 master printer and does these three things, you'll see confidence grow in your print production and all the way through sales and management. The first thing that needs to be done is learning and applying G7 completely and accurately. Some people just want to grab one part of it and do it. And then they see some good results and then they roll with it. But that, you know, that's going to bite you sooner or later. This includes investing in training for everybody in the workflow. I've seen people just say, oh, just teach the pre-press guy. Right. right. You know, he's the one that does our files. He's the ones that sets our curve. No, that's not it. The, the people on the press have got to learn it. The people in sales must learn it. The people in management must learn it. So uh, when I started uh, doing G7 consulting, I didn't just train the pre-press people. I didn't just train the pre-press people in the press, but I trained the complete company, and it worked very well. The second thing is instruments and software. First of all, be sure and get good, fast, and accurate instruments. If it's slow and not so accurate, that's going to hurt you. So, so don't cut corners here on instrumentation. Don't say, oh, I can do it, but I, you cannot. You have to have the right tools to do this. And, you, and by the way, one of the right tools is a good ISO 3664 2009 light boot. Well, I, I was hoping you are going to mention lighting conditions. Uh, I'm sure you're like me. If you, you know, having done consulting and work for a couple uh, manufacturers, when I go out onto the customer sites for implementation, I'm surprised that if they do have a light booth, the bulbs haven't been replaced. And, and sometimes they don't have a light booth. And I see guys carrying, you know, 
proofs and uh, press sheets outside to look at them to look at them under daylight conditions, and uh, that's just not a good way to do business. It's definitely not a good way to evaluate color. So, do you see that often? Do you have uh, uh, clients that may not have uh, standardized lighting conditions? Uh, they have maybe some older tools, densitometers or an old spectrophotometer. Uh, what, what, what is, what do you typically see out in the field as far as a lack of tools and instruments? That's what I always see. I mean, I rarely go to any place that don't, that, that actually doesn't need some upgrades. Uh, I am seeing the, uh, the people paying more attention to the light booths than they used to. Uh, in fact, I was on a project last week, and there was uh, a red cast that the customer was fighting. He couldn't get rid of it. And, uh, you know, his proof looked good, and his, but he had a red cast. And so w- when I got there, they were looking at the proof in the pre-press area, and they, they were scratching their head. They just couldn't understand why it had a red cast. And I said, did you look at this in the light booth? Right. And so the proof looked good. The mm-hmm. the print, the press sheet was red, went out to the light booth and it matched the proof. So that red cast was coming from the lighting in the pre-press area. And w- the question was, well, why didn't it affect, why didn't it affect the proof and it did, and it affect the press sheet? Shouldn't that, they were both in bad lighting. I said, yes, they were both in bad lighting but it affected your press sheet much more than it did the proof. So they were a believer after that. Mm-hmm. So that's the third thing that, that people have to do when they start doing G7 is just do it. And that means follow the rules. That means measuring everything. That means having a relentless QC uh, procedure and then making sure everybody knows and understands the tolerances and they stay within them. And going back to something you mentioned earlier, and that was about training and education that uh, don't just train the pre-press operator or one specific individual. And you mentioned sales, you mentioned the press operator, which is absolutely the key person that needs to understand uh, G7 process control around G7. And some of the things that you mentioned using the instruments and the lighting booths correctly, relentless QC, et cetera. But uh, you mentioned salespeople. I would also say that uh, possibly management and uh, owners as well. It sounds like a cultural change, which I've heard and uh, experienced a little bit, is that when we adopt, you know, these quality uh, programs like lean or continual improvement, things like that, they don't last. We don't reap the benefits from them unless there's buy-in from the top all the way through the organization. And that's really a cultural change. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. It's important for everybody to buy in with that. And uh, G7, uh, G7 has one attribute that is, is that goes beyond uh, total quality control. And that is, it's so flexible. I mean, if you got total quality control, you have to, you have to really have a complete different workflow for every substrate and every incline. With G7, we can get a common visual appearance with a, having a much 
more flexible ink set and also even using different substrates, which in the grand format business, we change substrates sometimes three or four times a day. It could be short run jobs uh, on vinyl, short run jobs on chloroplast. It could be short run jobs on styrene. Rarely do we even print on paper. Right. So G7 solves that problem. And that builds that confidence that I was talking about. So in grand format and screen printing, what are some of the uh, digital front ends or workflows that you see and come across? And do some of them support G7 or applying G7 curves? Tell me a little bit about your experience with the workflow part of the process. At first, they didn't, Jeff. Um, you know, it was it was difficult because the the rip man, the rip manufacturers that we were outputting film with, it was just you had to just enter all the curve corrections manually. Uh, then when we got to the grand format digital, which is a national, you know, phenomenon with the grand format screen printers, I mean, they just took off with that. But it also brought some new problems. Even those rips. You know, I at first, after I got trained in a, in a year or two, I, I was adding G7 curves to the uh, digital presses. It was impossible to get a rip manufacturer to even listen. They'd say, oh, well, we don't need that. Right. Said, yes, you do need it. You know, now they're, they're the biggest ad- advocates we got, you know. So mm-hmm. right now it's a lot better than it was. And almost all rip manufacturers are on board with G7. So I've heard some printers say it costs too much. That's a typical objection when we describe the benefits of applying the G7 methodology in production. And uh, what do you say to printers that say they can't afford uh, to maintain that level of accuracy and confidence? Well, um, you've heard the old saying, you know, I can't afford education. Well, try stupidity. Um and see how that works. But uh, the first thing that I s- discovered with uh, using G7 in production was that the, the excuse of, well, it costs too much is not viable because I was seeing 25 to 30% productivity results improvements with the uh, people that actually bought into G7 and were doing it properly. And that means that it was after calibration uh, what they seen, it was easier and faster to set up the press color because they didn't mess with the, the solid densities. You know, they never changed them. And, and prior to that, grand format screen printers were changing densities. I, I would go out on and do surveys and they'd say at least three or four times on every job, we never touched them because we had the gray balance right. So they would just make small adjustments uh, after being G7 qualified on a particular substrate, and they would uh, just measure the HR and the black, and then they would go. Uh, they also would look at the print in the 3664-2009 uh, viewing station, and those are pretty big, too, in screen print shops if you, if, if you carry a big print over there. So it's not like the little mm-hmm. uh, light stations that you see on offset presses. But they'd make any other small tweaks, and then they'd roll. So they were cutting at least two-thirds of the setup time on the press out by by uh, using the G7 methodologies. That's, and that's so that was, that was – once the pressmen started seeing that, was a huge confidence boost, and it gave them a solid objective to hit. So in other words, they weren't 
bringing the press up to color and then calling the salesman and say, hey, would you look at this? What they did is when they got to that G7 gray balance value, they knew where they were there. So that gave them a confidence and they uh, of exactly, okay, when I get to here, I'm right. And then they would put it in the light viewing station. It, it. And, and another bal- uh, thing it did, it eliminated all that subjective opinions that people would have at the end of the press. Uh, so on a press and substrate that was fully calibrated, they knew that if the grays were balanced, they were on color. Now, if it wasn't, immediately their measurements would tell him what's off. So they weren't guessing, was it the cyan, magenta, or yellow, or the black? They knew what color was off or what colors were off. Understood. What uh, would you say or how can how can I understand how confidence say I, I mean, I get how it saves press time and increases production, but how does it help my customers if I'm a you know print manufacturer, my end users? How does it improve their confidence in my company? Well, the the confidence in in our company from the print buyer, is huge. Uh, in fact, that's most of the reason that people lose a print account is they lose confidence in the printer. And sometimes it's not the printer's fault. I was in Canada uh, at a company that called me and asked me to come up and take a look at their four color process. They they could not uh, they couldn't seem to get it to match. And uh, so when I walked in there, they had a proof, a very large proof, on the wall. And uh, in their viewing station, and then they had uh, several rounds of prints that weren't in the ballpark. So uh, they didn't have color bars on their print and or their their uh, their prints or their proof. So immediately, I went to a, a company that I knew made good proofs there, and uh, and they made a match print for me of the same file. We put the match print on the wall, and it almost matched the first print they printed exactly. So they had wasted so much time trying to match a proof that wasn't even accurate. So it, it wasn't something that I, that I did not grasp, you know, I didn't grasp right away, but I actually learned this from watching uh, customers on press checks. Uh, let me give you an example. Let's say that you're a G7 calibrated and trained printer. Your pressman have come to a very close match in gray balance. And and this is based on a calibration of your specific substrate and ink. So you know you are right. They know they're right. The pressman know, the pre-press, the salesman doesn't. The salesman shows up with two people from the client's office. They look at the print. They use their chinometer, scratch their chin and look at it. And then they want to make a color move. Sometimes I believe that happens just because they... Uh, you know, they're in the, you know, they're there. We don't know how good their eyesight is, but yeah. it's just, well, if we make a color move, you know, we've done our job. Mm-hmm. I've accused them of that, but I'm not saying that that's what it is. But the salesman immediately after they say that we'd like to make a color move, apologizes for not being there right the first time and says, no problem. We'll make it right. Did you realize, Jeff, that this is a very damaging response? It, I, I, I get where you're going, and I, I agree with you, but I'm going to let you tell us why. The reason it's so damaging is because 
uh, because it sets the tone for what they think of the company. See, now I'm not advocating to ever challenge the opinions of customers. Don't do that. If you if you make this a challenge to them, no, it's not. It's right. No, that's not how you do that. Now, listen closely to what I'm saying here. This is an opportunity to turn this very negative situation into a positive confidence-building opportunity. So let's go back to the bad response. Mm-hmm. What happened two hours after the salesman apologized is you got the press to similarly move it in the direction that the customer wanted to. They signed on and they left. But visualize this. And by the way, I've heard clients say things like this. As they were walking to the car, they punch each other in the side and one of them says, you know, I'm sure glad that we were here. I don't think that printer really knew what they were doing. Yeah. Do you think apologizing and making them move immediately help the confidence in that client? No, no. Well, the this is what I'm talking about, unwavering confidence. That whole team there in that facility needs to have confidence to defend your work. Now, I don't again, I want to remind you, I'm not saying get in an argument with a customer. Don't do that. So, and let me give you an example of what they should do. First of all, you you can't defend bad printing. Got to be on. So if you're on every time, every day, then that gives you this confidence you can do this. The salesman should have used this as an opportunity to build confidence in the company. Let's say the two people from the, uh, the client's office came in they said, well, you know, it looks good, but uh, can we move it? It's just a little cool. Can we make it a little warmer? See, the salesman should never apologize, but he should say this. You know, it's no problem. We'll make any color move that you want. But first, let me explain where we are right now and how we know where we are and how we know we're accurate. First of all, we know at this point we're as close to to the file as we can get to that file or the proof because we're a G7 printer. You know, mm-hmm. we are calibrated to neutral gray and it's based on the color of the substrate, the dot percentage is measured spectrally, and also the, the solid inks in LAB. They comply with ISO standards. Now, we can move the color, but if we do that, we're actually we're moving away from what the file is. We're moving away from what the proof is. So from what our data shows, we are at an ideal closest match right now on this substrate with our color gamut and our comp- our compliant ink. So now if you still want us to move away from that color, we'll do that. See, now, what, now it's a decision time for them. What I see most of the time is say, well, if, if you're on and you know you're on, run with it. And I've seen that many times, but, but, but even if that doesn't happen, even if they say, but we still want to move it by defending your work, the attitude of the clients is going to be much different at the end of this press run. Absolutely. You've just uh, set the standard. You've built their confidence. You've explained that uh, in an objective way, the control that company has over the product that uh, this also applies uh, to morale. I don't 
sure if you mentioned morale or not, but the morale of the company. Morale was one of the benefits. Right. And and uh, I haven't mentioned it so far, but if you think about the the team, the culture of the whole team from all the way from bringing the file in to pre-press and through the press and, and the customer service people and the salespeople and everybody being involved in, in what's happening, uh, it, it builds a, a culture. Uh, did you see a, an article in LinkedIn the other day by Charles Duhigg, uh, and he was talking about uh, job satisfaction? Did you see that? No, I missed it. Well, it, it's a very interesting article because he's talking about professionals that make a lot of money. And uh, he he was at his 15th uh, reunion and he was surprised. And so he, d- he did a little bit of studying about what was going on and surveys show that most American workers right now are is lower and actually they're much lower than they were in the 1980s on jobs satisfaction. And uh, satisfaction actually comes and it's important that it is a uh, attitude of I am important, my job's important and I can measure it and and I know I'm uh, right, mm-hmm. and they they build that sense of pride. You see, see that's therapeutic, and not only is it therapeutic, it's contagious. It it can be driven through an organization, and everybody respects the different people. It, getting it right, it it builds that unwavering confidence that I was talking about that you can defend your work. And it, it actually lights a fire in the furnace of internal pride, is what I always say. So salespeople, CSRs are, are proud of their shop. Printers have a whole new respect for management, sales, and customers. And what overall you will see is uh, it's a newfound sense of teamwork, and it's driving a formula for a solid growth. That's a that's a beautiful statement, Mike. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your experience with us. Okay. Oh, thanks, Jeff. You are welcome as always, Mike, and take care. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.